We're in a series that's been titled The Heart After God. And um, originally, this series was going to be three weeks. It was going to end last week. But about a month or so ago, I was um, attending virtually a conference. And one of the pastors spoke on a topic that really ministered and, and hit. And I even told the people that I was um, meeting here with, I said, I, I feel that I need to extend this series by a week and talk about this topic because it is a very important topic that gets us into the heart of God. And so what we're going to speak about this morning is the subject of innocence. Innocence. We're going to talk about maintaining our innocence, keeping our innocence, restoring our innocence. And if you look up the word innocence, there's a lot of different definitions, but I found one that I really liked, and it was this, purity not yet spoiled by mundane affairs. I'm going to say it one more time. Innocence is purity not yet spoiled by mundane affairs. You think about where we are today and things that we have experienced and they say that you are an accumulation of your experiences. Many of us lack in trusting people because someone whom we loved broke our trust. Some of us lack in different areas because the innocence was stolen or broken. And let me tell you, innocence has been trying to be stolen by our enemy since the foundation of the earth. Since earth was formed, since God made every animal, every tree, every creature, man and woman, which by the way, he only made man and woman. I heard somebody say this the other day, I thought it was actually it was a pretty good answer. They, they, they asked their opinion on, on gay marriage or something and the other, and they said, that's like asking if we should have an enclosure at the zoo for a unicorn because that is not marriage before the eyes of God. I was like, whoa. I can't take credit for it, but I thought it was pretty good. Man and female, male and female. Since he created them, Satan's been trying to rob innocence. Go to Genesis chapter three. Go to Genesis chapter three. We'll see the beginning of how the enemy was trying to steal their innocence. Now remember, God makes Adam and Eve, and they're roaming the garden buck naked. He did not make them with clothes on. And they're there, and they had been told you can have everything but this one tree, right? So then it says in verse number one of chapter three of Genesis, the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Look at what he's trying to do. He is trying to rob of her innocence by putting doubt in what God said. Continues to verse number two. The woman answered, she says to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat. I mean, look at, again, go back to the question. Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The, the doubt he was trying to put to rob of her innocence was, God says you're not supposed to eat trees. Verse 
And she corrects, no, 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 no. We can eat every single tree except this one because it says we're going to die. So then he points and says, continue. Look what he says now in verse four. So the shepherd said to the woman, you shall not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. What happened? Innocence was stripped away and they recognized nakedness. You have to teach your children to keep their diaper on, don't you? Trying to run around the house. Just, we, I, I only have girls, so since they were like little itty bitty, it's like we started teaching them what modesty is. You wear shorts under your dress or your skirt and you're doing all these things because they have no malice. They are in complete innocence and we know there's a lot of people out there who aren't. And as a parent, we strive to protect the innocence of our children. Guess what? God is striving to, to protect the innocence of his children against a world that is trying to rob it and steal it. Why? Innocence allows you to have intimacy with God. But when sin comes in and corruption comes in and disobedience runs in, it takes away your innocence, and that then strips the intimacy with God. Sin and corruption break the intimacy with God. Disobedience ushers in the loss of intimacy and the loss of innocence. What did she do? She disobeyed God. Adam disobeyed God. Innocence lost. And we're living in a time where the world is trying hard to rob innocence. Not just trying to rob innocence, but to say that things that the Bible says and God said are wrong does not apply to today. But let me tell you something. We don't go by what the world says. We go by what the word of God says. And that's not popular. But I'm not trying to win a popularity contest. My responsibility as your pastor is tell you we need to align our lives to the word of God, not align our circumstances and say, God, try to meet it. What does God say about the situation? God said you can have everything but this one thing. The enemy put the doubt, disobedience came in, loss of intimacy. What did they do? They went in shame, hid from God. The first ever game of hide and seek was played before Adam and Eve and God. What is God? They, they hide in the garden and God plays along like you play along with your kids. Where are you, Adam? Where are you? And immediately, the blame game starts. Innocence had been lost. When your kids are still in that level of innocence, they don't try to blame anybody else. It's just like it happened. 
And why is the enemy trying to go after our innocence? Again, he can't have relationship with God, so he doesn't want you to me to have relationship with God. And when you are not obedient to God, you cannot have relationship with him. And you can't have intimacy with him. And so when we talk about what does it mean to have a heart after God, it has to be a heart that is striving to maintain innocence, purity. Purity in the relationship, purity in our thoughts, purity. Lack of innocence will kill the intimacy with God. What did Jesus say? I always find when you want to figure it out, go to what Jesus said. Go to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, I'm going to start reading in verse number 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who's got the most internet Instagram followers? It's basically what they're trying to ask. Who's the greatest? Like, which one of us is the best one? Who can get a blue certified sticker on it, right? Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child to him, set him in the midst of them, and said, assuredly, I say to you, Unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. It could say it this way, unless your innocence is restored, you cannot see God. You have to be converted into this converted into being like a child. Therefore, whoever humbles himself as this little child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever receives one little child is like this in my name receives me. Leave a little marker if you've got it and go to Mark chapter 10. There's another instance. Mark chapter 10. Verse 13. It says, they brought little children to him to Jesus, that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked those who brought them. The disciples pushed, don't don't bother the master, right? But Jesus, when he saw it, look at this, I, I hadn't even caught this phrase until the other day. Look what he says, he was greatly displeased. Jesus was bothered that they were pushing the kids away from coming to him. And then he says, let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. I surely I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And he took them up in his arms, laid hands on them and blessed them. Church, we must become like children. We must become like children. Let's think about the innocence of children for a minute. Children trust, don't they? It's why we tell our kids, don't talk to strangers. That's why we tell our kids, don't receive something from someone. Like, like we, we tell them, because kids trust. As we get older and we go through stuff, we stop trusting. Mm-hmm. It's why Jesus says you need to become again like a child. We're going we're gonna to come right back to that. Think about the book of Revelations when the, the message is given to the seven churches. And he goes to one of them and says, I, you guys are doing great, but I've got one thing against you. You have lost your first love. 
Think of the moment when you and I surrendered to Jesus. There was an innocence. We worshiped freely. We raised our hands freely. We jumped. We shouted. We told everybody about Jesus. But as world has said, well, we don't talk about Jesus in the workplace. As things have been said, we start to, we're believers, but I'm not going to tell anybody. We don't talk about politics or religion. You're right. I don't talk about religion, but I will tell you that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, hell is very hot. Y'all think Miami's hot? I mean, that should be enough to get people saved. (laughs) Things happen in our lives, and it takes away of our innocence. Children trust. Children have joy. Come on, Christmas morning when they play with the box of the $200 toy you bought them. Josiah's going to play with the box. Don't worry about the toy. Just give him a box. You get your kids these toys. You get them these things. You get them the things. And all of a sudden, the toy's in the corner, and they're playing with the box. And they get in the box. They get out of the box. They flip the box. They do all this stuff. They end up with cardboard paper cuts, right? Like, because there's joy. It doesn't take much. I, I, I Last Sunday, it was Abigail's birthday, and it was also Davina's birthday, and uh, they share a birthday, and uh, we were taking a picture with them, and, and I was carrying Davina. She turned two years old, and I went like that to her stomach, and she was just like, Ay. this just like laughter was infectious. Everybody was laughing. We were all like, it was just because it was a joy that exuded, and, and that joy then is contagious. But then, as stuff happens, we start losing our joy. Why? Because innocence was taken. It's why David writes, restore the joy of your salvation. When David had messed up royally in Psalm 51, when he's repenting for having slept with Bathsheba, when he's repenting for having killed Uriah, when he's repenting for all of that, and he says, create a clean heart in me, restore the joy of your salvation, take me back to a place of innocence. Church, you want to know how to have a heart after God? We need to fight and maintain our innocence. Children trust. Children have joy. Children forgive easily. You ever seen two kids at the, at the play? They're playing with each other. They took a toy. They cried for 22 seconds, and then they're playing again. It's all good. There's nothing going on, nothing missing, something broken. We get to be our age. If they don't repent, if they don't say I'm sorry, and they don't do it this way, and bring me 12 mocha lattes, maybe, you know? It's like I'm putting all these conditions on forgiveness. Children forgive. They, they, They think, but again, as life happens, innocence gets lost, trust is broken, forgiveness is harder to come by, joy is gone. How about the fact that children just believe? believe. I do these things with my kids where I tell them, I, I'll get a raisin and I'll say, guys, you want to see me make this raisin, turn this raisin back into a grape? And I'll, I'll go get a grape and, and I'll put it in one. Shh, don't tell Samantha. She doesn't know this yet, how it works, right? So, 
And Abigail, she's already 12. I taught her when she was 10. All right, so, she, so I, I'll get a grape in one hand, and I'll get the raisin, and I'll put the raisin in there, and I'll say, okay, it's good. all right, guys, we're going to do this, and I'll put the raisin, and I'll, and I'll wet it a little bit, and I'll blow, and I put out the grape. And they're like, whoa, do it again. Sometimes they'll like pull out a raisin from the cupboard. It's like, can you make it a grape? And I was like, there's no grapes in the fridge. I don't have it in me today. I, I, I don't have it today. You know what? I pray for dad that next week maybe I'll be able to, you know? Or there's green grapes in the fridge and not red ones. It doesn't work that way. I remember Abigail would tell me all the time, dad, teach me how to make a grape. Teach me how to make a grape. And, I, you know, we'd do it a few times. I was like, eat it. Doesn't it taste good? They believe. What happened and where was our innocence robbed where we don't longer even believe what God says? where we don't believe what God says about us, where we don't believe who God says we are, when we don't believe his promises, when we don't trust him, when we don't have joy because the enemy has robbed and stripped our innocence. We need to fight. We need to fight for the innocence of our children and we need to fight to remain in innocence. Innocence doesn't mean that you're not sin, that you don't sin or that you don't mess up, right? But innocence gets a heart purity to restore. David was a sinner, but he remained innocent before the Lord. In innocence, better said. You know, Saul and David both were anointed by Samuel. Saul and David were both called. As a matter of fact, watch this. When Saul is anointed king, it says that God gave him a new heart, but David already had a heart that followed him. Saul, in his innocence, he even was hiding when he was being anointed. He was going to be, they were looking, where's the guy? Where's the, it was like the, the inauguration ceremony is about to start, and where's the king? He's hiding in a corner. But then arrogance set in and pride set in. So that's where then he starts obeying what he thinks is best instead of what God thinks is best. Corruption killed the innocence. David was able to continue to stay pure and continue to ask God constantly, what do you want me to do? And then he obeyed. It's one of the things we talked in part one of the series, that having a heart after God is a heart that will obey, willing to do what God says to do. Here's another example of forgiveness and David being able to maintain it. We know, we've heard the story. David was anointed king. He goes and he fights Goliath. He kills Goliath. The Bible also talks about the fact that Saul was being tormented by distressing spirits. And David would come and play the harp. The presence of God would come. The distressing spirits would leave. But Saul tried to kill David multiple times, like threw the spear at him. Like duck, hit the wall. Then David is out in the fields and Saul is there and all of David's friends, and I'm saying it in quotations because I don't want friends like these, look at him and say, the Lord has delivered him into your hand. Mm. And David, in his heart of innocence, he says, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. So two times, 
he crosses to Saul's camp on two different occasions. One of the times he like gets like his water jug and spear, whatever, and he calls us like, yo, Saul. And he's like, is that you, David? I could have killed you, but I won't touch the Lord's anointed. I don't know why you're trying to kill me. I ain't trying to harm you. The other time, he, he cut a piece of, the, of, of, of Saul's garment. And he was like, yo, Joab, you sleepy bro. I got it next to your master. Look at your clothes. It's missing a chunk. But I didn't touch you. But David kept that innocence. Watch. 2 Kings 19, when David returns after having fled from Absalom, he comes back. And every one of his friends are telling him, take out those who went to follow Absalom. They're like, hey, here's Shimei, the guy that cursed you. And David says, I'm not going to kill you. I'm back here as the king. I'm not going to kill you. He looks at Meshibosheth, who he had showed all the favor and grace to, and was like, yo, why didn't you come? He's like, they lied to me. They told me this. He's like, it's all good. We're still good. To three different people, he shows forgiveness. He could have, as the king, come back and said, off with their heads, right? But he chose to remain in his innocence. I'm going to forgive. That's a hard one. We choose many times not to forgive people. Papo. Remember of everything God has forgiven you. So what do we say? We have to say, Lord, restore my innocence. That I can trust again. That I can believe again. Restore my innocence. And then Jesus gave us part of what we need to do. Go back to Mark, Matthew 18. So do a little marker there. Go back to Matthew 18. Look what Jesus says after he tells them about the little child, verse number six, he says, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. Now that's a big old warning. Don't be a stumbling block for people. Jesus says it's better that you be dumped in the ocean with a big old cinder block. Millstone really is bigger than a cinder block. Then he says, woe to the world because of offenses. For offenses must come, but woe to that man by whom the offense comes. Now, verses 8 and 9, these are key. If your hand or foot causes you to sin, cut it off, cast it from you. It's better for you to enter into the life lame or maimed rather than having two hands or two feet to be cast into everlasting fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you. It is better for you to enter into life with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Listen, Jesus is not promoting self-mutilation, but he's saying this. Cut out that that makes you lose your innocence. Cut it out. What are we listening to? What are we watching? What are we reading? Who are we listening to? Who are we associating with? What are we putting in? Because what you put in is going to come out. So Jesus says, if it's your eye, pluck it. If it's your hand, chop it. In other words, if that person is breathing death into what you are believing for in life, 
cut them out before your innocence is lost. If that you're reading is bringing you a condemnation or something that says you should not trust, cut it out so that your innocence isn't lost. We need to remove the things that remove our innocence. And in the same way we do it to protect our children, God is doing it to protect us. Who knows if that friend was removed by God to protect your innocence? Why is this happening to me? It feels like the road is so narrow and it's so difficult to walk the life of a Christian. Yep, the closer you get to God, the narrower the road becomes. If you're living in a road that's very, very wide... Without, watch out. As a parent, we guard the innocence of our children. They don't watch what we haven't watched. Some kids were at our house for Abigail's birthday party the day, and they were all having a good time. And one of the parents was like, "Oh, they just don't want to leave. Maybe next time we do a sleepover." And inside, I was like, "Heck no." And I don't know your kids. Ain't happening. Don't be offended. I am responsible for her, not yours. I'm going to protect her innocence. We've got to protect our innocence. And God's trying hard to protect our innocence. So what voice are we going to listen to? The one that says X, Y, or Z is okay, or the voice of God? Let me show you what David writes. Go to Psalm chapter 19, verse number 12. Psalm 19, verse number 12. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from my secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and I shall be innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. David's asking, God, help me stay pure. Help me stay innocent. Look what we talked about Jesus saying to be like a child, right? Psalm 131. Look at what David writes in these three verses. Lord, my heart is not haughty. Haughty means proud. Nor my eyes lofty. Lofty means arrogant. So this is what he's saying. Lord, my heart's not prideful, nor my eyes arrogant. Neither do I worry or concern myself with great matters, nor with things too profound for me. Surely I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with his mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. David is saying, I'm like a child before you, God. Israel Hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. Church, we need to pray, Lord, restore our innocence. Restore our innocence. And I would challenge you with this. Commit to live a life of innocence before God. Has anybody ever called you naive? Oh, you're so naive. Oh, you're always looking for the best in people. 
I, get, I, I, I hear that one a lot. I think that comes with the pastoral territory. You look for best in people. I pray I never get jaded. That I'll always be able to look for what's right, to look for what's good. Because can I tell you, God saw something good in me. And you look and you have to be able to say, God, help me see the best in people. God, help me to see them how you see them. Help me see beyond the flaw. Help me see beyond the thing. Put yourself there. And say, God, heal me. Restore my innocence. I took the girls to a birthday party yesterday of a, one of our church parishioners, Ethan, was turning two. And he had a Spider-Man birthday party. And they hired Spider-Man. And Spider-Man ran into the backyard. Full-fledged costume, hole covering the whole entire thing. It took Ethan about a whole whopping four seconds to give the guy a hug. Lord, help me to see the good. Help me to trust again. Some of us in this room, some of us watching online, we have a brokenness and we don't trust because of a pain that happened and our innocence being stolen. Today we say, God, heal me of my innocence that I may trust again. We stop believing because something we prayed for didn't happen. But let's today be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who said we will not bow. But even if he doesn't, I still will not bow. Lord, restore my innocence that I may trust, that I may believe, that I may forgive, and that I may have intimacy with you again. Think about marriage. When trust is broken, intimacy is lost. And we are the bride. And if our sin is rampant, our intimacy is lost. And it's not the worship team, and it's not the pastor, and it's not the leader. It's the sin in me that has put a block and a barrier between me and hearing God. Lord, restore the innocence. And nobody can do it for you. It's a choice we make before God. But I guarantee you that when the innocence is restored, once again the joy comes. The trust comes. The worry goes. The doubt leaves. Worship team, if you can come to the altar. We strive to maintain innocence. We put parameters to maintain our innocence. And if innocence has been broken, we ask, God, restore in me innocence. Let's stand to our feet this morning because this is what I want us to do. I want us just to spend a few minutes in worship just a little bit of time, you and God, because I don't know what you have gone through. I don't know who broke your heart. 
I don't know who stole your innocence. I don't know what happened, what evil thing was done, but I know the God who will restore it today. So with every head bowed, with every eye closed, and if we can dim the lights, I just want you to look at him this morning and say, God, restore my innocence, that I may have a heart after you. In Jesus' name. Just talk to him. There are some things that you might need to lay down before him. David wrote that entire psalm talking about his iniquity and talking about uh, his heart needing to be made clean, asking God, do not depart your spirit from me. And I don't know how you walked in this morning or tuned in online, but I know that you will not leave the same if you cry out to him and say, restore my innocence today. In Jesus' name.